I usually say welcome back, but I paused at the beginning of saying that today because I never know if somebody's listening to the podcast for the first time and has no context. But I like that phrase, welcome back. What if welcome back means welcome back to yourself? It doesn't have to literally be welcome back to this show. What I intended that for is welcome back to the Wellbeing Beyond Measure series that I've been doing for the last few weeks. This is session five, and I do intend to do one or more sessions of this series before I, I reevaluate it. And as I've spoken about in most of the other episodes, it's really been a big experiment to explore some content and some frameworks that I put together both for well-being coaching, but also for a core series that I was experimenting with in 2023. And it's been quite a journey. It's been great accountability. It's easy for big projects to, for me at least, to get pushed aside and procrastinated. And I especially feel that way right now in my life. There's a lot that I would like to procrastinate. There is a lot that has been procrastinated, put on the back burner. And I say that without judgment because everything has a time and a place, but I am also a person that tends to want to do it all. And as I spoke a lot about last week, I have actually attempted to do a lot more than I think I realistically have the bandwidth for. And that's been a big struggle, but an amazing opportunity for growth. Today's topic is on self-compassion. It really builds upon, especially last week's session on stress. And I want to approach this from a variety of angles. One is going to be my personal experience. Two is going to be experiences I've heard from others. And three is resources that I've come across over time about things like self-compassion and stress. And it, it ties into the main focus of this Well-Being Beyond Measure series, which is navigating self-care through uncomfortable times, through tough times. And I'll start off by saying that an interesting experience I've had, I don't know if this will be surprising to you or not, but it, it feels a little surprising to me, is that in general, I don't usually feel uncomfortable, at least not that I can consciously recognize on a regular basis. Meaning like I certainly go through little bits and pieces of discomfort, but it doesn't feel very magnified relatively. And discomfort can be so many things. I mean, I have a pretty high tolerance for physical pain. So I wouldn't say I get very physically uncomfortable. I also have built a lot of tools to handle physical discomfort, but I'm mostly talking about the emotional, the mental side of discomfort, it feels like in the last few months, but even more acutely in the last few weeks that I have been hit with truckloads of discomfort. And it's a very odd experience, but also something that I have been leaning into, A, because this podcast is called This Might Get Uncomfortable. And a huge part of me is thinking like, it's actually helpful for me to get uncomfortable for myself, but also to have compassion and self-awareness for other people. As I think when we don't experience something frequently or we've never experienced it, how can we understand how others feel? We don't have that perspective. We can't put ourselves in their shoes. And even though I wasn't choosing consciously to feel uncomfortable. It's a great example of that discomfort in growth and really, really understanding it on this level, not of a conceptual basis, but the reality of something 
that the growth is outside of your comfort zone. And I'm hoping that all the discomfort that I'm feeling is leading towards growth. And that's an interesting thing too, right? Can we consciously choose growth? Yes, I can look at every opportunity as a growth point. Sometimes it's a very subtle, temporary feeling of growth. What I don't know right now is the long-term ripple effects of the discomfort that I've been facing. And most of that discomfort is stress. And as I have shared little bits and pieces of, I think, over the last few months, most of that is is work-related stress. I decided as I I have detailed and I don't want to share too much again in case you've been listening to most of these episodes but for context I just went through some major shifts for with the type of work that I have been doing also in just the past three or four years in 2020 alongside experiences that many people had I started to reevaluate a lot in my life before COVID happened during COVID, after things went through more of the beginning phases of the pandemic, I felt like it was such an opportunity for many of us to reevaluate our lives and what was important. And I was spending a lot of time thinking about my career, noticing that I didn't want to continue with a lot of the paths I had chosen in the past. And maybe that's common in everybody's lives. It's so hard sometimes to really know what is, but it's very unsettling, or was for me at least, to go from this career in YouTube and social media and content creation and influencing and all those terminologies and realize that it just didn't feel right for me. I noticed that podcasting felt really good. And it still does. Very excited to share that. It it has its hiccups, but in general, I absolutely love podcasting. And it took me a few years to realize in early to mid 2023, that's where I wanted to put the majority, if not all of my focus. But I was still letting go of a number of things that I'd worked on before in my main career path. And then I just decided to open myself through trying a lot of different work. One big thing that I came up against that I wasn't expecting was, and still is, it's happening today on February 9th when I'm recording this. I am constantly being confronted with identity questions. Who am I essentially? Maybe what I'm going through is an identity crisis. I don't know. But wow, I feel like I have experienced so much more, and I use these words light, of criticism and judgment and feedback. I mean, it has been intense. And I had an opportunity to realize through that how hard it is for me to receive certain types of feedback. I've known this about myself for a long time. I'm very sensitive. I'm also very aware of other people's perceptions of me and and having a history of perfectionism and people pleasing. It's really hard when I feel like I've disappointed someone. And I've had to do a lot of processing around this in therapy recently because through all the new things I've tried, there have been a ton of stumbling blocks. There's a lot of things that I've needed to learn. And I didn't realize what it was like to learn things as an adult. I think there were the phases of school that we experience as children, as teenagers, maybe in college, graduate, like all these different phases. But a lot of us wrap up education and then go into the workforce and may not change careers. And we just keep up leveling. Some of the work that I've been doing lately brought me back to square one. In fact, one of the client roles I took on in my freelance contracting was like, 
an experience of feeling as if I, I basically the equivalent of my first job out of college. That's how this role felt that I took on a few months ago. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm no longer a new college graduate. Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I don't know what I'm doing? I'm constantly making mistakes. I feel like I'm awful at everything I do. And I, it was just like this intense period of like, ickiness. I'm still working my way through and it was just deeply uncomfortable. It felt so new, so foreign. And I started researching it and recognized that a lot of people feel that way. In fact, as funny as this might sound, it's incredibly common for someone at a new job to feel like they don't know what they're doing and to not feel confident for upwards of a year at a new position. And then I step back and realize, I haven't just started one new job. I started a ton of new work all at the same time. So basically, I've been sitting in this magnified experience of discomfort that might continue on for another six to nine months, depending on how long each of these different roles I've taken on go for. And they could be swapped out for other things that I might need to start at ground one and all over at again. And I have started to ask myself, like, why am I doing this? Is it purely for growth? Is it to experience the discomfort? I don't fully have the answer yet. I'm still figuring that out. But this is an opportunity for self-compassion. This is my personal version of discomfort right now. Uncomfortable time for me. And you might be experiencing discomfort in a very different way. So it's very relative to you. But is there an opportunity for self-compassion is the question of the day. So I'm pulling up some of my notes that I've been writing down. And actually, I started working on this outline, I think, before I started all of these new client roles. And one thing I noted when it comes to self-compassion is the benefit of trying new things. And looking at that now, I think trying new things, I don't know if that's actually helping with my self-compassion in a direct way, but maybe indirectly it is because I am experimenting. And I think that's essentially the point of this advice that has come from multiple sources is what can we experiment with to figure out what's going to work for us? That could be a new role. That could be educating ourselves. That could be trying new activities. But that also can be finding new ways of relaxing. And I think the benefit of hardship and discomfort is that sometimes we're forced into trying new things because we feel kind of desperate. For me, I've been practicing yoga almost every day this year. And sometimes I don't want to do it. But I know how beneficial it is that I've kind of been like pushed into it in a way that maybe I would have avoided before because I didn't have the discomfort to justify it, if it makes sense. And maybe I have had to be a lot more conscious of things like my sleep schedule. So the relaxation can be something that we can play around with. Meditation, perhaps, new courses. What is it that we can try out and ask ourselves, what else can we do rather than getting stuck 
in where we're at. And that can lead to self-compassion because we're learning so much about ourselves through the process. Self-compassion is also an opportunity to make some adjustments in our lives without being too hard on ourselves. And I think my experience lately, I've actually felt periods of self-loathing in a new way. I was speaking about this to someone I'm close to, and they turned to me and, and said, Whitney, I... I've never heard you say these things about yourself before. Like they were actually concerned because of my self-talk. And through that experience, I realized how important it is for me to develop self-compassion. Sometimes we don't even know that we need something until it's brought up to the surface through a really tough experience. So I think that can be beneficial. Having compassion is one phrasing I read said, having compassion for the heaviness having compassion for that self-hatred that we're feeling. Heather Havrilski said, you need to understand your despair and you need to feel compassion for it. Heather runs this wonderful substack called Ask Polly. And another thing that she said is the absolute best, most important thing you can do for yourself right now is enjoy yourself. Place yourself on the mantle, a great, a place of great honor and marvel at the beauty and your fearsome power. That seems a little bit easier said than done for me, but reading those words is inspiring. I, I would like to enjoy myself more. I would like to put myself on a mantle because I've been experiencing some of this self-loathing. Will Schroeder said, our perception of ourselves is supposed to be our greatest asset, but in fact, it tends to be our greatest weakness because we are constantly moving the goalposts on ourselves. And that was helpful context to read, especially in this stage of my life. I've been moving the goalpost farther. So I'm noticing all these weaknesses because there's a bigger gap in my life. And, and a lot of people will experience this when they go through different stages of success, the ladder climbing or whatever, is we think that when we get to the top of something that we will feel satisfied. But instead, a lot of people get to the top and then realize that there's another level and thus the goalpost has been moved. Moved, and now it feels like there's this giant gap and it's an interesting experience. Some of us avoid that. Some of us try to keep things very steady and never move the goalpost because that is so uncomfortable. And I have compassion for that too, because sometimes I've wanted to go back to everything I was doing before because it was much more comfortable and familiar. I have fantasies some days. I'm like, I have chosen to do all of this new work. I could just stop doing it all and start and just scratch it and take a break. That sounds so nice to me at some points. And maybe I will do that. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I will head to a place of burnout where that feels like the only option and that's okay too. But what if I can shift my perception a little and say, you know what? I've moved the goalpost. I'm in a different place. Of course, this feels hard. Of course, things feel different because they are different. Lori Penny said, if we waste energy hating ourselves, nothing's ever going to change. And that's kind of interesting in this context too. That's a little taken out of context. I don't remember where exactly that quote came from because that research was done months ago. But without the context, we can interpret that in whatever way it best serves us right now. Maybe it's essentially saying, what's the point of hating ourselves? That's not going to change things. 
We're just going to sit there stewing over ourselves. What if we put some energy towards loving ourselves, appreciating ourselves, being grateful, acknowledging, enjoying ourselves? Maybe that's where the shift happens. Heather Havrilski also said, when you treat your feelings like a moral failure, eventually you feel nothing. That word failure is a big one. And I don't want to feel nothing. I like feeling things. And I think when we want to feel life to its full extent, we have to recognize that sometimes that means feeling the hardship, the frustrations, the failures, all of this discomfort is part of it too. It gives us that contrast. It helps us remember what it appreciate what it feels like when we feel really good. And actually, that's something I've really noticed. Earlier today, I was actually feeling really good. And I was like, wow, this feels different. <laughs> yeah, feels different because I've been so stressed out and exhausted and frustrated and disappointed in myself, all these things. And when I don't feel those emotions, it's like very noticeable versus when I wasn't in a period of discomfort, I didn't notice those things about myself quite as much. A resource that could be helpful and I will link to in the description, the little show notes of this is a article from further.net called A Compassionate Route to Unbreakable Self-Confidence. Now, I don't fully believe that self-confidence is unbreakable, but it's nice to imagine that it is. And it starts with with a quote from Louise Hay who said, you've been criticizing yourself for years and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. And that sounds a lot like that Lori Penny quote. And this article, I won't go super into depth, but it does outline what self-compassion is and some ways that we can be kind to ourselves. Number one is to get curious. Instead of going into negative self-talk, can we ask ourselves, what do we need? Maybe that circles back to Heather's advice about enjoying ourselves. How can we enjoy the moment? What do we need to enjoy ourselves more? And this can help us identify behavior shifts that might help us. Self-touch, which is an interesting one, something that I end up practicing a lot in yoga is just part of the process. The author says to lower your cortisol levels, you can touch your cheek or put your hands on your heart rubbing your chest. I think this is a beautiful thing that I don't really spend much time thinking about or doing outside of yoga. And isn't that kind of interesting? We have this tool of our own bodies that we can turn to even when we're struggling with ourselves. And that's actually a really short article. There isn't too much more to it. Just those three points, which in a way is kind of relieving when advice is really short and simple. <laughs> Another thing, an element that kind of builds upon that is just this whole idea of building confidence and self-esteem, which are kind of parallels or part of self-compassion. And a resource I wanted to share comes from Princeton. Princeton has some nice tips. I shared some of them in a previous episode. And as I said, and I think it was in that stress episode, how taking all of this advice is a grain with a grain of salt and really seeing what works best for you, because some of it can feel a little oversimplified. Princeton encourages positive thinking. So listing out things that we do like about ourselves, maybe using that whenever we feel like we're so focused on what we're not doing well or what's not going good in our life. Learning from mistakes. I mean, that can be tough. 
very easily said than done because I feel like I've been making a ton of mistakes and I'm constantly learning, but that's actually been really challenging. Princeton also recommends being adventurous and trying new things, letting your voice be heard, speaking your mind, sharing with others, having conversations, and really working on knowing that your opinions, thoughts, and feelings are valid and deserve to be heard. Sometimes also helping others is a great way to boost self-esteem. You can help a friend, you can volunteer. Knowing that you're making a difference can enhance personal feelings of worth and usefulness. And I really like that. That's something that I have struggled to prioritize in my life, but maybe this is a great opportunity to draw awareness to it. And actually that leads really nicely into another article I wanted to share from Harvard Health, the Harvard Medical School. And... This comes from some research that was done around how giving thanks can make you happier. And this actually came out in August. It wasn't around Thanksgiving, but it does touch upon how holiday seasons can really impact us. And sometimes certain seasons of the year that feel really happy can trigger sadness, anxiety, or depression. And so some research was done by some psychologists at the University of California, Davis, and University. University of Miami, who were really looking into gratitude. And what they discovered is that people in this study who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. They also exercised more, had fewer visits to physicians. And another study that was done at the University of Pennsylvania, who was testing out various interventions, found that people who were writing letters of gratitude exhibited a huge increase in their happiness scores. So that's so fascinating. It's not just the act of feeling gratitude, but writing it down. That's been a big tip that a lot of various self-help tools or uh, resources recommend, which is like a gratitude journal. And that's probably because of studies like this, which are proving that writing down something that we're grateful for or writing to someone we feel grateful for, whether that's ourselves or someone else in our lives, can literally make this huge difference in how we're feeling. And it's not something that I actually do that much either. I'm laughing because it's such a simple thing. I advise people on this myself. I, this is something that comes up in coaching and courses and friend conversations. But it's a great opportunity. Like the things that we know, the things that we might even recommend to others, we might not be doing ourselves. And we can stop for a moment and go, hmm, Maybe I could give that a try. It's also such a humbling realization when we see like a list of things or we hear things like, yeah, 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 I know that. I heard that. Even like my feelings towards Princeton's resources, sometimes they feel so simple. But if I'm not practicing them regularly, then I can't really say that I've tried them because right now my circumstances are different. So it's an opportunity to retry something or try it for the first time because we've felt some resistance in the past. Maybe going back to the simple things is really a good option for us. There's so much to say around this. And I, I think it ultimately comes down to finding some space for ourselves, finding opportunities to acknowledge who we are, looking for ways to enjoy ourselves, to like ourselves, to acknowledge everything that we are. Heather Havrilski said, 
It's your job to see yourself clearly. And that really speaks to me right now because I've been struggling with jobs. But one job that I haven't been giving any attention to is that I have not been focused enough on seeing myself. And that needs to become an equal job, if not a more important job than all the other work that I've taken on. So that is the work that I'm committed to right now. And I would love to know if this sparked some ideas for yourself, if there are some things that I haven't mentioned that have worked really well for you. My aim with Wellbeing Beyond Measure is to do this in real time and to make this an interactive experience. So I've opened it up to live recordings within the Beyond Measure community. So this series is called Wellbeing Beyond Measure, and it's part of a community called Beyond Measure, which is free and open to join. And you know what? I also struggle with that sometimes too. It's not a perfect community. I don't know if it'll ever feel perfect. It is an ongoing work in progress because I am too. And so are each of the members. And we bring ourselves to the table and we share and we communicate and we explore together, even if we don't feel the self-compassion we're aiming for. Maybe we can exhibit that through just showing up for ourselves and others and start to cultivate it in unexpected ways. That is my aim, and I'm so grateful for you listening. I'm grateful for the members of Beyond Measure, and there I am, acknowledging some gratitude. Maybe I got to go write it down as well to really seal it in. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week for another episode of this, and then I can actually feel confident maybe about saying welcome back if you tune in, but I can also work on feeling confident even if you don't tune in. So we'll see what I say next week. Wishing you all the very best. I would love to hear more about your journey if you'd like to share it with me. But no matter what, just know that I'm rooting for you. I care about you. I'm grateful for you. And just truly wishing you all the very best. Bye for now.